You're listening to The People's Podcast. You can't say F you to your granddaughter? I just did, Morty. Here's dessert. F*** you. This is JSC Radio. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. Um... Uh, Kevin had an, it's, it's an Achilles injury. I don't know uh, the extent of it. He'll have an MRI tomorrow. Um, pri- prior to coming back, he went through four weeks with our medical team, and um, it was thorough, and it was experts, and multiple MRIs, and multiple doctors. Um, and we felt good about the process. Uh, he was cleared to play tonight. That, that was a collaborative decision. Um, I don't believe there's anybody to blame, but I understand this, this world. And um, if you have to, you can blame me. I, ru- I run our basketball de- operations department. and. <laughs> Um, let me tell you something about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant loves to play basketball, and the people that questioned whether he wanted to get back to this team were wrong. And I'm not here to... He's one of the... He's one of the most misunderstood people. He's a good teammate. He's a good person. It's not fair. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now, my name is Jay Scott Smith, and apparently... A lot of you know that now. And this is the 97th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Hey, now. Welcome once again, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Coming to you from the temporary JSC Radio Studios here in an undisclosed location. I ain't telling you where I am. You'll have to find that out and figure it out for yourself. I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting this show coming off of, which was nothing short of the single greatest week this podcast has ever had in terms of downloads, in terms of support, in terms of everything. And I'll get in that in one second. But first, I want to shout out my man, Awesome Jones, whose music you hear underneath you right now. Of course, big up to my man, Doc Illingsworth, who produces the soundtrack of this damn podcast. I want to thank y'all for supporting me on the Twitter machine at J Scott Smith, J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. Of course, you can support the show on Twitter as well, at JSC Radio. Remember, that's C stands for conversations and we're gonna be having a little bit of a conversation today no guest but we're gonna be conversing a little bit about a couple of really important things one of which as you could tell from just the sound you heard coming in i want to big up the youtube page bit.ly we're gonna go to the bitly link bit.ly slash jsc tube we have a lot of new listeners apparently so if you guys want to check out some of the best of the best of the older stuff the older conversations some of the previous stuff i've gone on on this show go to bit.ly slash jsc tube it will take you directly to the youtube page i see a lot of new people checking this show out get on the youtube page hit me with a subscribe hit smash that subscribe button check out the videos share them do whatever it is you got to do be sure to hit me up on instagram too at j scott smith again j-a-y-s-c-o two t's s-m-i-t-h i'm on facebook at real j scott smith the instagram page for the show will be coming in the next week so we can start to direct some of you guys that way so be sure to hit that up and of course coming very soon a full website that will help you get your story told will help you set up a consultation or a meeting or any sort of public speaking engagements with me for jsc stories that's coming up 
very, very soon, probably later on in the summer. So what are we talking about this week? You heard it there at the beginning. I was going to wait until the NBA Finals ended, but if you thought that I was not going to get on here, considering the last couple of years, as much as I have had the back of Kevin Durant and every other professional athlete who chose to do his own thing, regardless of what the rest of you morons think, you are completely missing the boat. You knew I was going to get in here on that. I don't care if the finals aren't over yet. They could end tonight, but I don't care if the finals aren't over yet. We're getting that in while we have the opportunity because it is necessary to talk about this. Plus, you may have also noticed if you are a follower on Twitter that we have new logos. The show has a new look. The show is taking on a slightly different identity because it is just friggin' time. It's time. It was time to make the change. And as you saw, if you follow me on Twitter, we've even mocked up the logo for Pride Month. And I will talk about why I, as a heterosexual black male who's damn near 40 years old, not only supports Pride Month, but feels it's also our duty as black men to support Pride Month. Oh, I know I'm going to piss some of y'all off because I remember how when I stood up amidst the tide of men who wanted to support R. Kelly and I was that guy who for a while was the outlier I know how y'all are, and I saw it on Instagram how when I made that post supporting Pride Month that that's the rare one that didn't do really good numbers, and we're going to have to have a little discussion about that, but first things first, man, you're effing with the worst. Let's let's talk about it. So Kevin Durant blew his Achilles on Monday night during Game 5 of the NBA Finals, an absolutely magnificent game that has this incredible shadow just kind of hanging over it. Now... Those of you who are new to the show, all you have to do is go back to the last couple of years after the NBA Finals, particularly after Durant joined the Golden State Warriors in 2016. And you will see, clearly from my history, I had zero problem with Durant joining the Warriors. In fact, I applauded it. Kevin Durant left for a better job. To those of you who love to evoke the halcyon days of the 1980s, when, oh, you never would have seen Isaiah leave to go to the Lakers or Boston if he couldn't win. You wouldn't have seen Michael Jordan wouldn't run to Detroit. Well, yeah, of course not. Because back then, NBA free agency isn't what it is now. And a lot of these old geezers who played back in the 80s and 90s can jump bad and talk tough and be total hypocrites like they always are. But if the NBA's financial climate in 1991 or 1988 or 1994 was the way that it is now, I guarantee you Reggie Miller doesn't spend 18 years in Indianapolis. He didn't want to go to the Pacers in the first place. He's openly said it. Charles Barkley, he's got some nerve coming after Kevin Durant considering the way he strong-armed his way out of Philadelphia in 1993 to go to Phoenix and just to get beat by Jordan in the finals anyway. I stand by everything I said then, and I will continue to stand by everything I said now. Not only did I not have an issue with Durant doing it, he did what any of you would have done. Any of you. You can talk this, oh, but the competitive nature. For one, most of you guys have never actually competed in anything in your lives. A lot of you blog boys, the furthest you got in organized sports might, and I stress might, have been junior high school, maybe high school. A lot of you have not really played competitive sports past the youth level. You watch it, but you clearly don't get it. You clearly don't understand it. You act like, oh, in the old back in the day, they wouldn't have joined up with these super teams. Well, no, that's because back in the day, there were like five super teams in the NBA. There were five of them. We've been been down this road before. I'm not going to broach that subject again. You got to go listen to some of the earlier episodes for that. But what I am going to talk about is I always beat the drum about Kevin Durant joining this team because he did what he wanted to do. He's a free agent and you get to do whatever you want to do when you're a free agent. And he chose to go there. It's been ever since that point that so many of you loud, obnoxious blog boys, as well as my fellow media members and even certain athletes have felt the need to chime in and call him a coward and call him soft and all this other foolishness about him going to join the best team in the league rather than doing what you want him to do and that stay loyal to an organization that would have gotten rid of him at the drop of a hat. 
hell after what just happened to him. Had he still been in Oklahoma City, I could absolutely see the Thunder shipping him out once he kind of got back on his feet. I could totally see it because that's what these teams do. And for him to basically take the power in his hand and do it, this whole, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. The NBA's never been fair. It's always been about the haves and have-nots. We've been through this. But to see what happened to him on Monday night was pretty damn devastating because anybody who saw the first quarter of that game and saw how Durant moved and saw how he looked, he essentially picked up where he left off against Houston in the second round. Looking at his stroke was the same. Coming off dribbles, coming off screens, spotting up, pulling up. He's still one of the most unguardable guys in NBA history. He was on his way to at least a 35 to 40 point night. And remember when he left that game, Golden State was dominating it. It was the first time this whole series that the Warriors really looked like they were head and shoulders better than Toronto. And then it happened. He was going to make a drive on Serge Ibaka, his former teammate in Oklahoma City. And we've seen the gifts, we've seen the videos, we've seen the still shots of his Achilles going kaboom right there, and down he goes. I knew as soon as he went down, he was done. That was it. And you heard Bob Myers there at the start of the podcast tearing up in the post game. The Warriors showed all kinds of grit, all kinds of heart to continue to play through that and then down 103-97 with three and a half minutes left to outscore that team 9-2 to down the stretch with the only deuce coming on a goaltend to basically thieve that game from the, from the Raptors and force it back to Oakland. But they're doing it without Durant. And it's guaranteed they're doing it without Durant now. And seeing that, it, it was bothersome. But what was more bothersome to me, and I rarely am this guy who called the, the calling out of people, the I told you so's of people. Well, I'll do that on occasion. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it real. But what really bothered me, well, two things bothered me. One, Toronto, do better. People cheering, mocking, laughing at him, waving goodbye. I would like to say Toronto was better than that, but they're really not because having dealt with them growing up in Detroit and having seen how Maple Leaf fans act and how Blue Jay fans tend to be, it doesn't shock me at all that they were a bunch of tasteless a-holes cheering and mocking the man until it took other Toronto Raptor players, including Serge Ibaka, who again was Durant's teammate in Oklahoma City, to kind of tell them to chill out with that. That's not cool. And that was the first thing that bothered me. But the second thing that bothered me was in the run-up to him playing on Monday, And ever since we got about three or four days away from that injury before they finished off the Rockets, there had been this prevailing, really absurd narrative that just kind of trickled out there that this dude was either milking the injury, that he was not as hurt as he said he was, that he was holding himself out so he could get ready to bail on the team in free agency because you guys still seem to have this bizarre idea that he wanted to play for the New York Knicks. If he was going to leave, he wasn't going to go to the Knicks. And I'm going to keep saying that because why would anybody go to the New York Knicks? I've done an episode on the Knicks before too. It was amazing to me. And it wasn't just like your typical slap nuts on Twitter or on Facebook, these fake sports experts and these stupid little fanboy groups that try to act like they know sports when they really don't know a damn thing. Here's the killer. It's when I saw other athletes and I would see other media talking heads, my fellow media members, intimating without directly saying it that Kevin Durant was faking the injury, that he was milking it, that he was pulling out an old school word, malingering. Now, malingering is a word you don't hear typically. It's kind of an archaic word, but it was often used back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and even parts of the 70s to describe what they thought was an af- when an athlete was milking or faking an injury. And it was a word that was almost exclusively used against black athletes. But you notice that is a, that's a bit of a trope in sports. It's especially bad in baseball. It's especially bad in hockey. And by the way, F you, Jeremy Roenick. There's a middle finger to you, buddy. You can't see it because we're not on video, but there's a middle finger to you, bro. 
putting out that really stupid tweet because apparently hockey is the most insecure of the four major sports. And they always seem to feel the need to take swipes at the NBA. Gee, I wonder why about their toughness. Where you have Ronick talking about uh, Zdeno Chara of the Boston Bruins choosing to play with a broken jaw during the Stanley Cup Finals. Why you would do this, I have no idea. That's as foolish as going out there on, say, a really bad knee or with a concussion in an NFL game or in the NBA, dare I say it, with an Achilles issue. Or, like Kevon Looney, a broken collarbone. Or Fred Van Vliet, who legit lost a tooth and got his eye blackened up by an elbow in game four. Or Clay Thompson bouncing around on bad hamstrings and having to be held out of lineups. Or Kevin Durant feeling the need to come back because a bunch of jagoffs decided they wanted to call him a faker. Yes, it bothers him when you question his ability. And guess what? That's a natural human emotion. Y'all all love to mock people. Oh, he's soft. He's soft. Why can't he take a little criticism? He's soft. From the same people who have meltdowns the second someone comes back at you on Twitter. You come at this man and you question his loyalty, you question his dedication, you question his drive. You want to know how ridiculous this has gotten? And I'll get back to the history of this malingering thing in a second. But you want to know how ridiculous this is? I find myself agreeing with Jalen Rose. Anybody who knows me personally knows. Not the biggest fan of Jalen Rose. In general, I'm not the biggest fan of Jalen Rose, let alone his, anal- his, his time as being an analyst and everything. Not a huge fan. Just not. But he said something on Tuesday morning that was effing profound. And it was calling out all the people who basically have made it a point to attack Kevin Durant relentlessly and ruthlessly because they just haven't been able to get over the fact that he went to the Golden State Warriors. They just haven't been able to grow up. They created this ridiculous narrative in their head that he's lazy and that he's soft and that he's done nothing in Golden State and his wins don't count because he's with Golden State. All this stupid shit, all this foolishness. He, he's, he's a hanger on. He, he rode their bandwagon to championships despite the fact he was finals MVP the last two years. He rode their, he, he rode their coattails to a title despite the fact that he actually carried them across the finish line. Albeit, I did make the make the argument last year that maybe Steph Curry should have been MVP of that series, but whatever the case may be, you weren't going to go wrong with either guy. Jalen Rose got on first take and dropped some serious knowledge on those of you guys who basically finally got what you want, having Kevin Durant go out there and blow his Achilles for you and try to prove to you morons that he wasn't soft. Here's just a piece of it. I was the person that came on this show in January of 2017 and defended the honor of one Kawhi Leonard when people were saying, questioning whether he got misdiagnosed or not. He went on to play nine games that year and, as Max mentioned, ultimately got traded. Kevin Durant in this situation, the reason why he should not have played, there, there are multiple answers to this question. One, I blame the overall culture of sports. There's a herd mentality that takes place when you're a professional athlete. And all of a sudden, when you start to make a lot of money, people think that you're immune to everything that comes with being a human being. And so if the Golden State Warriors were up 3-1, KD would not have returned. But since they were down 3-1, he was forced to return based on all of the chatter that we knew was going to take place. He's soft. He really didn't want it. He wasn't committed to the team. Oh, and he was leaving anyway. And he knows that. That's why he decided he wanted to come back. There, there's a group called State Property that I loved growing up. And one of the things I think it was Oskino and Sparks said, people will bring flowers to your funeral, but don't bring you soup when you're sick. That's what I'm seeing for KD right now. Everybody fake acting like they caring about KD's best interest when they don't. You got your pound of flesh. You got what you wanted. You did. This man proved to you he wasn't soft despite the fact he had nothing. to. He didn't have to validate or prove anything to any of you. He never really owed you an explanation for why he wasn't playing. He was being held out because he was legitimately hurt. Yes, one can argue that the Warriors probably have a little bit of fault in this. But we don't have any proof that they were forced back. We don't have any proof that that he was diagnosed as being unable to go and they ignored it. 
And Bob Myers at least was being a grown up, which in this day and age, because we're so used to people not being grown ups and actually taking responsibility for shit they do wrong and actually owning certain things. It came off as if Bob Myers was out here attempting to save face or put himself over. No, it was none of that. If anything, he was out there trying to own it. It's just that we lack the emotional maturity to be able to do these things these days. But let me go back to that little issue I talked about with malingering. I have a lot of issues with how media members describe athletes in terms of injuries, in terms of effort, in terms of celebrations. You notice that a lot of these commentators will say when, I don't know, a white player, yes, we're going there, a white player is loud and energetic and fiery on the field and gets in dudes' faces. He's passionate. He's fiery. He just wants the best for his team. He's a leader. He's tough. He takes no crap off anyone. He fights hard. He plays hard. If the guy doesn't run out a ground ball in baseball or he's a little slow getting up the floor, it's either ignored or maybe excused as an injury. Maybe he's hurt. He's passionate. He gives his all on the field all the time. He's a winner. He's got a high motor. When it's a black player, or if we toss in baseball, a Latin player who's loud, who's fiery, who's energetic, who likes to celebrate, who likes to have fun on the field, likes to dance, he's too flashy. He doesn't play the game the right way. He's not tough enough. He's not the type of player that we tend to like. He's t- the jewelry he wears. The other day in San Francisco, we have Madison Bumgarner, the stellar pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. This dude was a monster in the World Series a few years ago. Incredible pitcher. But this dude's a red ass. He is. He's a part of the fun police. And he loves trying to chastise guys for celebrating. He loves throwing at guys who hit home runs off of him. He loves to try to basically act like he's the police. And he's long had an issue with guys like Yasiel Puig, for example, formerly of the Dodgers, now with the Cincinnati Reds. And he would run his mouth and yap and just go at this guy and always took issue with Puig, who is very energetic, loves to celebrate, loves to have fun. There's that there's that F word they don't like to use in baseball, fun. And plus, it's not the first time Bumgarner has tended to do this, and he really loves to try this a lot with the Latin players. Well, on Sunday, Max Muncy of the L.A. Dodgers, a white guy, took one of his pitches and deposited it into McCovey Cove, the area in that ballpark in San Francisco where Barry Bonds just dropped all kinds of home runs into over his time. Crushed it. And as soon as he hits the home run, Bumgarner tries to pull his lecture the batter to just put his head down and run routine. And Muncy basically told him to go piss up a rope. If you got a problem with it, go fish the ball out of the ocean. Muncy telling Bumgarner where to go and where to put it is beautiful. It's awesome. I loved it. You don't get to tell me how to celebrate when I take you deep. You don't get to do that. You don't want me to celebrate? Strike me out. You don't want me admiring a fly ball? Get me to hit it on the ground. But if I hit you, if I take your best pitch and I I hit your best pitch, oh, you better believe I'm going to stand there and admire it. I might even hit you with a shimmy if you got something to say. But this idea that black players are soft and Latin players are soft and lazy and don't want to work as hard, it reflects. It reflects in the likes of Jeremy Roenick and other hockey fans and hockey idiots seemingly only wanting to take swipes at the NBA, calling NBA players soft Oh, they have a little injury. They won't play. Well, yeah, because NBA players are a little bit smarter than hockey players. And by the way, a lot of guys are out there playing their ass off while injured, while hurt. They just don't tell you. They're not out there making themselves out to be tough guys like they do in hockey. But you also notice they don't run their mouths like that at baseball players. They don't. They surely aren't going to do it at football players. 
who I argue are tougher than hockey players. They're not going to do that. But they love to come at the NBA guys because they think the NBA guys are too flashy. They don't play tough enough. They're not, they, they don't work hard enough. Where does that logic and where does that line of thought come from? And why does it sound familiar? You attack Kevin Durant and say he's faking an injury and that he, he really didn't want to be there and he's selfish and he's all about himself. Yet, to a man, every Golden State Warrior loves the dude. Loves him. You saw the reaction when he went down on Monday. It says a lot about who we are, that you don't know these guys' stories as pro athletes. It says a lot about who we are, that we make these assumptions about people's character without ever really trying to figure out their story. And in some cases, their story is out there. You just choose to make up your own narrative in your own head. And it's about time you grew up. Kevin Durant went to the Golden State Warriors. Get over it. It was the right decision for him. And truth be told, it fell right in line with how the NBA is. So get over it. Grow up. The man got hurt. Legit. And he's likely going to miss all of next season. So we won't see this man for at least 15 months or longer. We've been robbed of one of the generational players in this league. And there's nothing good about that regardless of who you're a fan of. I was not the biggest fan of Allen Iverson. I would have had an issue if this dude blew an Achilles in a major moment like that. Grow up. To those of you accusing him of faking it, it is kind of interesting how 18 hours later, all of a sudden, we got to show love and respect for Kevin Durant. He left it all on the floor for us. He, he showed us it's more than a game. We got nothing but respect for the energy and effort he put out there. When I can scroll back 12 hours in your tweets and find you calling him a faker and accusing him of malingering, I'll call you on your BS. Kevin Durant getting hurt changes the immediate complexion of the finals. The Warriors force game six. Now, if we know anything about the NBA finals, if we know anything about game sixes, that means it's going to be basically, it's like putting up a tornado warning because Clay Thompson is probably going to go off because game six Clay is in full effect. Hashtag game six Clay. But that changes not just the whole immediate look of the NBA finals, But the macro look at the NBA in general, because now what do you do? Could he opt in and stay in Oakland for another year while he's effectively injured? Sure. But then what happens afterwards? Well, I didn't think he was going to go to the Knicks. Wherever he was going to go, it changes the landscape of the NBA and of pro sports. Kevin Durant don't know me from Adam. Probably wouldn't speak to me on the street, which you know what? I don't blame him because in the grand scheme of things, who the hell am I? But just know that when I look at a dude like him, I respect him because he took the path that few of you knuckleheads would admit to taking, even though it's a path a lot of you would have taken. As many shortcuts as you guys take, as often as you don't want to put the work in, yet you accuse somebody who does of being lazy, it's kind of lame and it's kind of sad. Godspeed to Kevin Durant. Who knows? I have a funny feeling we're getting a seventh game in the NBA Finals, and it's a crapshoot at that point if we get one. But this has already become one of the most memorable NBA Finals series of all time, and it caps off one of the better NBA seasons in ages, except, of course, for the Detroit Pistons. I'm saving that for the next episode. But coming up after this, it's June. It's Pride Month. And if you're on my Twitter feed, you may notice the brand new JSC Radio logo has a very distinctive look for this month. And I'm going to explain to you why it is that I, as a heterosexual black male, am 100% in lockstep with Pride Month and feel that we as black men need to do the same. This is the 97th episode, episode 97 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. And we'll be back after this. And so now all of a sudden, KD has to deal with an Achilles injury. I think that's going to keep him out 12 months if we hear that it's torn. We got our pound of flesh as media, as fans, as people who watch this league faithfully. We wanted to see KD give himself to us. Now it was a quest for him to prove that he could be something bigger than just a back-to-back reigning finals MVP. That's why all year we have said that KD was leaving. Why? Because he was on the thirst for something that Golden State couldn't give him. We created that narrative. He would never be the dude in Golden State. That's always going to be Steph Curry's team. So therefore, he goes there, wins championships, but he got to leave to still validate himself. So now, congratulations, world. You got your pound of flesh.
man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stone? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. You're listening to the People's Podcast. And we swagger when we walk, because by God, we can. This is JSC Radio. So you mentioned your siblings. Right. You had a brother yes. named Kevin Long. Yes. Who then turned into your sister named right. Mia Henderson. Right. Transgender and then murdered. Right. Okay. So, like, all of that is yeah. just hit you in the face. Yeah. I want to go back if I can. Mm-hmm. When... Kevin came to you and said, I'm Mia. Mm-hmm. How do you process that as your, that's your little brother who's now telling you, no, I'm your little sister? That, he, he was my oldest brother. Oh, I'm sorry, your older brother. Yeah, yeah, he, he was my oldest brother. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't so tough because I kind of seen it um, coming on at, at, a, at an early age. Like, me and him was the first two childs. So um, I actually seen it because it was, you know, me and him, you know, just started seeing them transfer over. And it wasn't so tough because, like I said, he just lived as himself. He taught me how to be himself. He taught me how, you know, to take care of the family and just be yourself. And he was happy with being who he was. He wasn't worried about and he wasn't worried about how others felt about him. And a person that can isolate the whole world out and not care about other people's feelings is a strong person to me. So I think that's, that was one of the biggest things that I got from him. So the locker rooms in general, especially male locker rooms, it's it's not the most progressive place in the world, right? right? Like yeah. there's a lot of language that probably in polite culture isn't used, but is maybe used in there. Because of who your brother and then sister was, mm-hmm. it, did it help you evolve, so to speak? Like become a more, I don't know where you were before, but like, a more progressive, open-minded, accepting person? Yes, definitely. Um, like, you know, a lot of people joke and do all these types of things about those types of people, but me, it's, it, touch, it touches me because I had a brother, I had a person that was close to me that was that, was that way, so never will I laugh, never will I do any type of those things about people that goes through different ways in life. So, um, I mean, he was just strong. Uh, that was pretty much the thing I just got from him, and he left me with that, and, I go about my life. This is the 97th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here coming at you with this 97th episode. 97, that means we are just three away from 100. JSC 100. And man, I've got some plans for JSC 100. Once again, I want to thank all of y'all who made this past week the single most downloaded week in the show's history. More than 15,000 downloads. 15,000 between all the different podcast providers, which includes Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. We're talking about iHeartRadio, TuneIn, new apps such as PodCoin, new apps such as Radio Public, CastBox is out there. Pretty much we're just about everywhere where podcasts are. Still working on getting on Pandora, but we're out where every other podcast is damn near. 15,000. I cracked the top 200 on a couple of different podcast providers, man. Thank you. Damn it, thank you. You want to keep supporting this show? Of course, you can check us out across any of those podcast platforms. Don't forget YouTube. Go to the YouTube link. It's in the description. bit.ly slash JSCTube. 
hit up the YouTube page. Smash that subscribe button. More content, including original content, is due to come through there in the very near future. So I want to thank y'all for doing that. Follow me on Twitter at jscottsmith, J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. Follow the show on Twitter at JSC Radio. Also on Instagram at jscottsmith. The JSC Radio Instagram is going to be coming soon as well. And we're on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith. And with the changes that have come and are coming to this podcast, one of the things that is changing is the branding. If you've noticed, if you've listened to this podcast throughout its history, and if you're brand new to it, please hit that subscribe button and go back and start from the very beginning in 2016. So you can find out all the different things I'm talking about on here. But for those of you who have followed this podcast from the beginning, you know one thing that has changed over time is the branding. Not just the name, but also the corresponding logos and the and the podcast cover and obviously with last week's announcement that we're kind of taking a different approach to JSC Radio especially once we get past episode 100 I wanted to change the look of the of the logo simplified it and it's a much cleaner much little sleeker look if you're on SoundCloud you see the multiple varieties of it I also put it out there on Instagram put it out there on the Facebook page the branding is changing because the brand is getting stronger by the second Shout out to Jesus and Mero for that one. And one of the things that I've decided to do is we're going to have special theme versions of the logo. When we get to Christmas, there's going to be a Christmas theme. When there's going to be a special anniversary theme when it comes next year, the 100th episode is going to have its own logo as well. And a few other things I decided to do included, and I debuted it on Twitter on Sunday during uh, Philly Pride, that... I created a Pride Month logo with the rainbow flag and the outlay in the background. You see it if you follow us on Twitter at JSC Radio. And here's the funny part. Anybody who knows me and knows the history of this podcast knows that I tend to take stances about certain things that go against the norm, that go against the grain, particularly in our community. And by that, I mean the black community. Keep up. I know one of the things that for the longest, even though it's changed substantially, and I will credit this, it's changed substantially in the last decade for the positive, is pretty much my entire adult life, I have been pro-LGBTQ rights. Always have been. I've never exactly been shy about that either. When I was a teenager, just like most of us were, and I was a teenager back in the 1990s, There was a point in time where I thought this country and this society was a lot more advanced and a lot more liberal and a lot more understanding than it really was at the time. And all it really takes is just kind of going back and looking at some of the things that people were saying 20 years ago, 25 years ago, in like 1994, 1995, 1996, when we had just assumed this country was far more advanced than those archaic 1980s and those wild and crazy 1970s and those horribly problematic 1940s, 50s, 60s, and really going all the way back before then. But we were just as bad then. We didn't have an understanding of gay people. We didn't have an understanding of lesbians. We didn't have an understanding of bisexual people. We didn't have an, we sure as hell didn't have an understanding of the trans community. The word queer was often used as an insult. And in some cases, it still is. But the word queer was used as an insult. We, we didn't get it. Our community, especially. We're this weirdly patriarchal, we're oddly conservative when it comes to certain things. And one of those things is LGBTQ rights. And it makes no sense to me why that is. It never has. I've never understood it. I've never gotten it. I just don't I don't see it. Not when I look at everything that we as black people have gone through. Now, in the 1990s when I was a teenager, I wasn't as enlightened. I'm also thankful that we didn't have social media back then. Because guaranteed, a lot of the stupid things teenagers say now, we were saying then. It's just that we didn't have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and the like to put our ignorance on full display. When I was a teenager, I, for one, was one of the dum-dums who actually thought people chose to be gay. I really did think that way because that was just the line of thinking in our community and really across society as a whole, that they choose to be that way. As if somehow that 
means they're open to ridicule. That somehow being gay was detrimental to children. That somehow being gay was a threat to society. People could still get fired. They still can today in certain places, by the way. Could be fired for being gay. Could be kicked out of housing or discriminated against in housing because they were gay. People were being killed because they were gay. Still are. More so these days, it's the trans community that's facing this. But as a teenager, 1992, 93, 94, 95, you just didn't quite understand that being gay was just who you are. When I found out that people were genetically predisposed to be gay, that was really all I needed to know in order to just say, then why are we continuing to mess with these people? Being gay is no different than having blue eyes or being black. It's who you are. Genetically, it's who you are. Leave them alone. Even if they, quote, chose to be that way, leave them alone. Why do you care? Oh, I don't approve of their lifestyle. Okay, F you. I don't approve of your stupidity. You continue to be an idiot. Why do people feel the need that they think that they get to have a say in how somebody lives their life? Whether you live your life as a member of, I don't know, the Catholic Church, or whether you're born gay and you actually decide you're not going to be ashamed of that. You might be wondering why it is that a guy who's heterosexual, almost 40 years old, decided that he wants to be Mr. Open Supporter of Gay Rights. Well, I lost a close friend when I was a teenager to suicide. I won't name his name, but he was someone who was a really good friend of mine, played baseball together, and he was an exceptional kid. And he kind of confided in me at one point that he was gay or he thought he was gay. Now, again, this is early 90s. I didn't care. The only thing I gave a damn about was whether or not the kid was going to be able to hit me with a throw from second base or hit me with a throw from shortstop. That's all I cared about. As long as you're good to me, I don't care who you are. But there's a stigma in the black community about being gay. And he suddenly committed suicide when uh, we were in high school. Come to find out, the reason he did it was he attempted to come out to family and they threatened to disown him and ostracized him. Didn't take much longer from that. And it happened. And I've ridden for that dude ever since because that didn't need to happen. And so many young gay or bi or trans kids go through the same thing today. They still deal with it. I've had a multitude of people over the last 20 years come out to me, confide in me that they have, that they're coming out. And I'm kind of honored that they feel that they're comfortable enough to, to share a moment like that with me because that's a big deal. One of my line brothers in Five Beta Sigma came out to both of us a couple years ago. And that dude's like a brother, and I'll fight like hell for him. The four people who've come out to me, I'll fight like hell for you. I got your back because you deserve it. Because you deserve to live your life and be who you are. And no, there should not be laws telling you who you should marry. No, there should not be laws telling you where you can live. There should not be laws that allow you to be fired from your job because of who you love. Period. There should not be rules that should keep you from buying property or being able to do anything you want or being able to buy cakes or whatever. The f- No, that's not right. And when I see members of my community, my community, the black community, maybe the single most oppressed peoples in this country's history, not named Native Americans, taking glee and pleasure in hiding behind this phony baloney nonsense of religion, claiming that, well, the Bible says it's an abomination, and you know my Christian beliefs. If your Christian beliefs are used to discriminate against others, are used to subjugate women, are, are used to basically impose some form of discrimination on somebody, I don't give a damn about your Christian beliefs. I care about people, period. And we, as black men, have fallen so far short. 
we've fallen pretty far short of standing up for our black women, as I have made very clear in the R. Kelly episodes. But I feel we as black men have so far failed members of our community who are gay, bi, trans, queer, whatever. We have not done right by them either. Let me tell you a little story about privilege. I'm a man, and as such, there is such a thing as male privilege. Now, that privilege is tempered because I'm also black. Black male privilege is like the trial version. It's like getting a cable package. You get the basic channels. You may get a couple of extras, but that's about what you get. That is black male privilege in a nutshell. We don't get the white male privilege. No, we don't get that. We don't get the deluxe package with all the channels, the huge sports tier, everything. You name all the movie channels. That's white privilege. White male privilege. Black male privilege is your basic cable package. We don't quite recognize that as black men fully. We do have privilege, but it's also tamped down. We as black men need to use what privilege we have, what power we have, what ability we have to do right by others, by do right by other downtrodden people, to understand that by harassing women in public, by abusing women in public, by standing by pedophiles, by standing by child molesters like R. Kelly, by being homophobic, I hear it a lot amongst the hoteps. If the words gay agenda come out of your mouth toward me, I immediately just discount anything else you have to say. Because you're living in the past. You're living in this ignorant, archaic past. Yes, there was a time in my life prior to finding out that a friend of mine took his own life because he came out. There was a time in my life where I held some pretty ignorant views. The thing is, I was 15 and 16 years old at the time. I'm almost 40. I came to the realization in my teens, my late teens, like before I got to college, that this wasn't right. That we as black men, black heterosexual, black straight men, there need to be there need to be more allies. None of this conditional BS. None of this, well, even though I don't approve of your lifestyle, for one, F your approval. You don't get to approve of what someone else does with their life. Just like, I don't know, we don't care much for white people saying they don't approve of how we live ours. Could you imagine somebody walking up to you as you're listening to rap music and telling you, I don't approve of you listening to that rap music. Turn it off. What's your response to them? You're going to tell them to F off. Imagine you're out on a date with your woman at dinner and some jackaloon runs up and says, I don't approve of your relationship. What are you going to do? You're probably going to laugh at him. Depending on who you are, you might get up from the table and deal with him. If you're in an interracial relationship, you should also understand this because I've seen people who date interracially who are homophobes and I look at them like you clearly have zero grasp on history. The anti-miscegenation laws in this country, which were no different than the laws that are used to badger the LGBT community. It's all the same. We as black men, black straight men, black heterosexual men who like the ladies, who love to act like tough guys, who love to act like we don't have emotions and feelings, who think that feelings are things for white people, who feel that you're not allowed to cry in public because it makes you less of a man. You're not allowed to show emotion, not allowed to hug your father. You're not allowed to high-five your boys or have a moment of just vulnerability with people. We still abide by that form of toxic masculinity in our community, and it's really, it really messes with me. And this is something I haven't really been able to fully expand upon because I haven't had my thoughts com really come together straight on this. But it's bothered me since the R. Kelly episodes and the Bill Cosby episodes with the amount of backlash I get from black men who hold problematic views of how we treat women and how we treat the LGBT and how we treat children. It's time for us to take all that, all that indignation, I won't call it righteous, but all that indignation and invert that and use it for a positive. Change your story. If the only time I hear you talk about your Christian beliefs is when it deals with the LGBT community, I'm going to call BS on your beliefs. If seeing a couple that is two men or two women or two non-binary people or seeing a trans person bothers you that much, 
The issue is not with that trans person or with that couple. That issue is with you. And you need to address that. And we as black men need to address that. Last year, Damon Young over at Very Smart Brothers wrote this piece that pissed off a ton of black men for the root. The whole straight black men are the white men of black people. Yes, it was a little melodramatic in the header. And it turned off a lot of people beforehand. But then again, a lot of y'all don't read no way. I went through and read it and yeah, while the header was probably not the best way. It was attention grabbing. It was damn sure clickbait. If you actually read through what it said, it's telling the truth. And that's a hard thing to see when you're black men because we feel, and rightfully, that this world is largely against us. But don't use the fact that we have just about a morsel of privilege. We ain't got much. But don't act like the fact that we got a morsel of male privilege leads you to want to strive to have all the evil ability to have the full version of male privilege. I was asked during a class this semester by a young lady. I won't mention her name, but she knows who she is. I had a project where I wanted my students to learn about interviewing, and I had them give me a mock press conference where I was the subject, and they could hit me with any question they wanted, and I was going to answer truthfully. And after being asked a lot of questions about the business and about podcasting and about sports and about hip-hop and about everything else, One young woman asked me my thoughts on abortion, and I stood in the middle of that room and looked her dead in her eye and said, as a man, it is not my place to tell a woman how to live her life. I'm not going to tell a woman what to do with her body. And the most stunned facial expressions in that room just spread. And a lot of it was from young black men who seemed incredulous to why I wouldn't take a stand on that or be tell a woman what to do with her body because it's not my place. It's not our place as black men to hold others down. It should be our place as black men to build others up, build our women up, build our kids up, and have the backs of the downtrodden people in our community. Because, by the way, a very large amount of the LGBTQ community is black. They live amongst us. They go to school. They work regular jobs. There are pro athletes who are gay, and some of them are closeted because they know the routine. You heard earlier... That was Reggie Bullock, formerly of the Detroit Pistons, now with the L.A. Lakers, telling the story of his trans sister who was murdered. There are black trans people being killed in the streets every damn day by someone who sees fit to think that their life doesn't matter. We love to say black lives matter because they do. Black lives matter is is a way of life. It's true. And all those black lives matter, including the trans ones, including the gay ones, including the lesbian ones, including the children, including the women, and obviously including ours as black men. We need to do a better job. And if this and if this rubs you the wrong way, then I'm talking to you. If this bothers you, good. It should. It should bother you a whole lot more that we as black men are just itching to be as bad as white people are, as bad as white men are, is throwing their privilege around. And yes, I know there are plenty of white men listening to this right now. You know I'm not talking about you. If it bothers you, then yeah, I am. And if it does bother you, you probably don't want to listen to this podcast because that's how it is. But if you, you know who you are. If you know you're a good person, this shouldn't bother you at all. But I'm talking to the brothers right now. And there's a lot of black men right now who've ostracized family members. There are black men who've been ostracized in their family because they are gay. And that used to be an accepted thing. And in some parts of this country and in some parts of our community, it's still seen as an accepted thing to ostracize a person who's gay, to treat a gay person or a lesbian in your family worse than you would treat a known pedophile in your family. Let's keep it real, black folks. The fact that when I put up pictures of the numbers that this show is doing on my Instagram feed or when I put up pictures of me doing cool shit out in the public or me doing cool stuff cool things in studio on my Instagram stories that gets all kinds of numbers. The fact that when I put up a picture of the JSC logo with a rainbow underlay on it and it did not do good any numbers at all kind of tells me a lot about you and it tells me you need to do some work with yourself because I'm perfectly in tune with the man I am and I'm enough of a man to understand that we all need to stand up for each other. It took A lot of civil rights organizations geared toward black people until maybe the early 2000s to finally get on this train and start supporting all of the brothers and sisters. Whether you wave the pan-African flag or the pride flag, guess what? You can do both. Oh, but that didn't being gay didn't that that wasn't around in, in the motherland. Bullshit. It wasn't. It's been everywhere, everywhere. 
They're a part of our community. It's who we are as a people, all of us. And that's why I have the pride flag inside the logo. That's why I'm an ally. And admittedly, I'm trying to get better every single day. I'm trying to get better in terms of, of, of pronouns with people. I'm trying to get better in understanding the history and kind of understanding how to address people. I'm making that effort every day to not just simply self-aggrandize. This is far from that. Just to be a better person and a better man. Be better people to each other. This is a country that we're living in right now where people just don't treat people right. We as black men should not be looking for a reason to try to hold someone else down because we've been held down our entire existence. It's about time we start to lift people up. We're going to need a coalition behind us in order to build. We're going to need that. We need everybody because guess what? A lot of black men are a part of the LGBTQ community and they go through the same shit you go through except it's heaped on even more because of who they love and who they are and that's got to change and that's why every year going forward in the month of June you will see that damn rainbow logo period there's no other way around it this is not an us versus them scenario in the black community there is no such thing as the gay agenda there is no conspiracy to take down the black man through the gay community all this bullshit that was used and oddly like openly talked about when I was a kid and when I was a teenager and figured out that these people just want to live their lives and be themselves and be left the fuck alone. Like I said in the Instagram post, whether you want to be loved or just left the fuck alone, pick one and leave them alone. Let these people live. They want to celebrate pride. Let them leave them be. If anything, educate yourself. I'm trying to find a pride shirt. I've never worn a rainbow pride shirt before, but I'm trying to find one. I'm trying to get a hold of one because I got their back. I don't like the idea of people being mistreated for who they are. Sue me. I don't like the thought of our own people knowing our history of being subjugated, of being discriminated against, of being mistreated, of being basically run into the ground and treated like the lowest form of life. I don't like the idea of us trying to find someone to pick on that we swing at our own people because again the lgbt community is also a part of the black community of attacking our own over some fanciful nonsense about abominations instead of taking a stand for their rights none of this oh how are the gays gonna get rights for us it don't matter they're not taking rights from us we all need to band together on this period don't let your latent homophobia, don't let your fear, don't let your ignorance be the detriment to us as black men. We need to do better as black men with our women, with our kids, with our friends, with our family. We need to do better expressing how we feel that doesn't involve violence and anger. We need to do better in, in basically showing respect to others. As a society, we need to, but I ain't talking about society. I'm talking about to the, I'm talking to the brother who's listening to this right now, who needs to hear this. My name is J. Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. Episode 98. Hopefully by then we'll have the end of the NBA Finals. And then we get to put a capper on this NBA season and get a little bit closer to JSC 100. Until next time, goodbye, everybody. You're listening to The People's Podcast. I'm not going to be responsible for what happens next. This is JSC Radio. on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children. 
troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.